Good evening and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Live. We thank you with all of our hearts for joining us here tonight. And we hope that you will find tonight's live stream illuminating and hopefully valuable. And not just illuminating and valuable, but practical. We always long to make this time we spend together useful and meaningful that the information we're sharing with you you can apply somehow on your path in your life on your journey in your quest to know yourself to know the detailed work that you're here to do whatever that may be and to con connect with your innermost being and beyond the being of beings in relation to that little preamble we may as well reiterate the topic for this evening's live stream it is one which came up recently in our last live stream on the astral plane. And it is one which provokes a wide spectrum of reactions, responses, theories, beliefs, opinions, And that is, and that is, of course, the age that we are in, the Iron Age of this humanity, what is called the Kali Yuga, what is known as the End Times, also known as the Apocalypse, described in the book of Revelations. And Apocalypse means revelation, a great unveiling. And in no uncertain terms, we are beginning to experience just such an unveiling happening all around us and perhaps inside of us. And it is the relationship between those two, the inner and the outer, that we hope to be able to illuminate this evening by shedding light on some of the more recent developments and the details which are beginning to emerge regarding the events which are unfolding all around us. Now, for the sake of practicality, some of the words that we will use to describe these events will be somewhat allegorical but clear enough that you will be able to make the connections necessary for example if we describe the plague which is supposedly affecting humanity and which has been driving public policy now for two years two years 
all sorts of constitutionally protected rights have been thrown under the bus. All sorts of freedoms, all sorts of liberties have been jeopardized and outright compromised. And indeed, those behind this plague have been, have been the ones taking liberties. And the liberties they have been taking have been moving forward for the ongoing suppression and oppression of this humanity. That said, there is a grander picture, a bigger picture to consider when we look at the Kali Yuga. The Kali Yuga itself, what it is and what it entails, what it must achieve and accomplish is not the product of any man-made schemes. The Kali Yuga is not a conspiracy. The Kali Yuga must unfold, and it must unfold as it must unfold. How it is unfolding is governed by that necessity. And what necessity is that? We have often said, and if we look at ourselves, if we look at the world, if we look at nature, if we look at reality, it is self-evident. All phenomena come to an end. Everything must die. Everything dies. And everything must die. That is the way of manifested phenomena. That is the modus operandi, particularly in Malkuth, the kingdom, the third dimension, this physical reality in which we are in, this plane of existence. This is the game world. And as you know, every game has an ending. Whether it's a game of chess, whether it's a game of tennis, or a round of golf, or a football game, a basketball game, it does not matter. A game must have an ending. And that is why all lifetimes have a set beginning and a set ending. To be in denial of this, to deny that this universal truth of death, which applies to all living things and all phenomena, consider planets, stars, entire galaxies die. We all know that civilizations rise, they have their golden age, and then they collapse. 
what makes us think that somehow this universal truth, this universal pattern, which applies to all phenomena, that somehow our humanity will be the one that is going to escape this phenomena, that our humanity is going to be the one which avoids death, that our global civilization will be the one which survives the Kali Yuga and does not perish. When we pose these questions to individuals who express their doubt, it's not doubt that they're expressing as much as it's their fear. It's their desire to control. It's their identification and, and attachment, not just to this lifetime, but to this humanity, to this history. They, for whatever reason, they are afraid, afraid of all they have come to know and love being gone. And yet that is precisely the teachings at the heart of all great mystery schools and all esotericism, the path of letting go, the path of non-identification with that which is impermanent, the impermanence of nature, the impermanence of reality, the impermanence of life, indeed, the impermanence of this self that we are presently occupying this rental car which was provided to us by mechanical nature and what my, and what mechanical nature gives mechanical nature takes back what is born of the earth returns to the earth ashes to ashes dust to dust mechanical nature is not in the business of giving away itself ad infinitum indefinitely no ecosystem works like that no body works like that no living thing works like that mechanical nature is bound by the laws of physical reality and mechanical nature is bound by the laws of conservation of energy transformation of energy and the cycle the ever-repeating return the cycle of the the recycling cycle if that's the way to express that certainly we all comprehend recycling we all comprehend that the tree that grows out of the ground will eventually rot and be reduced back to the very soil from which it grew in the first place so these should not be difficult concepts for us to grasp these should not be challenging controversial phenomena for us to face and yet so many are scandalized by the very notion by the very idea that this humanity might be destroyed. 
that this humanity is at its end. And they and they throw up literally psychologically all manner of resistance, all manner of rationalizations and justifications and fantasies. And it is so very telling just how afraid of death they are. And it is so very telling just how in denial of reality they are. But one might ask the question, why? Why is it so? Why must everything come to an end? Why must this humanity perish? It is perhaps easy to answer that question by saying, everything else does it. Why would this humanity be any different? And that's perhaps an easy way out. But the reality is that everything on this level of reality adheres to the law of entropy. Entropy, which that law which melts an ice cube, that law which breaks down the Great Pyramid over time, that law which applies to religions which are born which have their golden age, which begin to divide into many sects, and begin to degenerate, become corrupted and twisted, and eventually all die off. That's entropy. On a, in a trite way, we can describe it as moving from order to chaos. But really, it is the breaking down and breaking apart. The On the physical plane, the law of entropy is in a way an expression of solve et coagula coagula means to crystallize or, for, or come together to coagulate and solve means to dissolve to put into solution so at some point under tremendous heat and pressure and time a lump of coal maybe further crystallized and further condensed and further coagulated into that which we identify and call a diamond, the hardest substance known to man. Perhaps we should say the hardest natural substance known to man. But given enough time, the law of entropy will apply to that diamond eventually it will dissolve over what period of time and over what conditions those will be appropriate to the level of density and crystallization achieved by that diamond but that diamond too will eventually die perhaps it'll take millions of years perhaps it'll take billions of years the time is irrelevant. What matters is the curve. And things do not, nothing grows infinitely stronger, nothing grows infinitely better, nothing grows 
keeps getting better and better and better and stronger and stronger and stronger. Everything reaches its peak. It's prime. And then it begins to go the other way. And it begins to fall into decline and collapse. And then in its final days or final age of its life, it undergoes what can be described as death throes. And the nature of the phenomena will determine what those death throes are like, what constitutes those death throes. So for example, in the case of a star, in its final moments of existence, it may collapse and become a black hole. Or in the case of an individual, in their final moments, on their deathbed, they might have some sort of a fit, a psychological fit or a physical fit, some sort of literally where the term death throws come from. That writhing struggle, whether it's to remain alive or whether it's to writhe and wriggle out of this body one way or another this phenomenon of the death row doesn't apply to everything and everyone but it is enough of a phenomena that the word exists in our vernacular something undergoes its death throes it's throwing itself over the border over the edge over the cliff over the line between being alive and being dead So coming back to this question, why must this be the case for humanity? First, we must recognize that humanity is part of a planet. A planet is alive. The surface of the planet, the humanity, performs, or at least is supposed to perform, an important function for the physical body of that planet related to the transformation of energy. Without getting into too much detail here, the planet itself cannot absorb solar energy directly. The, the raw solar energy the, must be digested in the same way that you and I, we cannot consume something. We, you and I cannot absorb the energy of an almond. You, you and I cannot take the almond, the solar energy that's in that almond, because it's solar. That almond was produced by a plant, and all of the energy that that plant used to create that almond came from the sun. The material in the almond, the carbon, came from the atmosphere, and the minerals in the almonds that with the plant used to synthesize all the vitamins and the flesh and 
body of the almond, and all of the fat in the almond, all of that was synthesized by from nitrogen in the soil and all the other minerals, which by the way, the plant also couldn't absorb directly. The plant relied on bacterial organisms living in symbiosis with the plant on the roots of the plant, which are the ones that actually digest the trace minerals in the soil. And the waste products the bacteria uses are absorbed by the roots. And it's those waste products that the plant is able to use to synthesize all that is required. But the energy for that process comes from the sun. And then they produce an almond. We, we see that almond. We take that almond. You and I cannot absorb the energy of that almond directly. Certainly not on the level of our physical body. We must digest it. That digestion process breaks down that physical matter and extracts the energy, the solar energy, which has been transformed into a usable version but we dig but we digest that almond in order to extract that energy and then we too produce waste products and one of the waste products we produce is a very particular frequency of energy just like animals produce a different level different frequency of energy and plants produce a different frequency of energy which is why planets have minerals plants animals and humans because plants eat minerals animals eat plants and each other and humans eat animals and that relationship between the energies that the animals produce and the energies that only humans can produce. Animals can't produce them for the planet. Only humans can produce that energy. And that energy, the source of that, the raw material for that energy, only exists in animal flesh. So the eating of animals by humans is an absolute necessity for the planet. Whether or not, like, no humanity could ever become 100% vegetarian or 100% vegan, 100% vegetarian. The planet would die. It would literally die because we would be robbing the planet of an essential nutrient, which it can only get from human beings that are transforming the energy that's stored in animal flesh along the chain of mineral to plant to animal to human. Now, we don't want to get into a big philosophical de debate on whether or not it's ethically appropriate to eat animals. Because that's, we don't want to get into that debate here. We are just sharing with you the facts that we humans are a part of the physical body, specifically the digestive system of a planet, whereby it must digest the raw energy of the sun. It must be transformed into a full spectrum of electromagnetic energy and that those the the frequency spectrum that is created is created at different intervals and at different frequencies 
by the different kingdoms of organisms that make up the digestive system of the planet, the surface, the digestive surface of the planet. So the analogous, again, the analogous phenomena to this are the probiotics in our digestive system or the bacteria on the roots of plants without which the plant could not absorb minerals from the earth or without which we could not digest specifically fiber and other complex carbohydrates. So many people that don't have the appropriate gut flora and fauna in their digestive system, they suffer tremendously. They suffer all sorts of problems uh, with malnutrition and, and uh, a great, great many problems. They also, uh, the, the connection between the gut biome and the, and the, uh, the brain, the psychology, mental and emotional well-being and the overall energy the vitality of the human machine is dependent upon these symbiotic relationships so too then the vitality and the health of the planet is dependent on the symbiotic relationship it has with the organisms at different levels uh, in the different kingdoms now Every now and then, every system in every organism needs to be replaced after it has been. So, uh, excellent example for this is the skin of a serpent, skin of a snake. When it's fresh and it's new, it is supple, it is flexible, and it serves the snake very well. But over time, the law of entropy applies to this skin. The skin becomes dry, it becomes brittle, it becomes inflexible, and it becomes irritating to the snake. Now, if you've ever watched a snake shed its skin, you know how violent a struggle it appears to us anyway. But that snake will do just about anything to escape its old skin. Because if it does not do so, it will suffocate and die. Snakes breathe through their skin. Like many, like many amphibians and many reptiles, they, they, they breathe through their skin. If the skin is not moist and supple and new, if it's if it's dry and inflexible and brittle, then it the 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 snake can't breathe through it anymore, and it'll suffocate, literally choke to death in its own skin. So it has to shed its skin. It has no choice. It has to do so, and it does so on a regular basis. We can look to a woman's monthly cycle. Is there any particular reason why she would have to eject the, uh, the material, uh, uh, the reproductive material and the egg, which is awaiting to be fertilized every single month? But it happens on a regular basis because all mechanical nature works on these cycles. And once something has reached 
its usable lifespan, its practical use, and then it becomes dry, cracked, inflexible, and irritating to the organism, that organ, that aspect of its physiology must be shed. It must be released. It must be excreted, secreted, cut loose, etc. Humanities are no different. And when we use that language, dry, brittle, inflexible, and irritating, you look at the way in which this humanity treats the planet. You look at which, at the way in which this humanity treats each other. You look at the politics of this humanity. Does the word flexible come to mind? If in your conscious imagination, you rewind and play back the last four years of American politics, or the last four years of politics in just about any country anywhere in the world, does what does is what is conjured in your mind a vision of flexibility, a vision of newness, of suppleness, of compromise, <clears throat> of giving, of support. And from the planet's perspective, you look at our contemporary global civilization and its mechanical, industrial, massive monstrosities on just about every level and just about every industry. Does, does the word irritable or irritating to the planet not at least ring the slightest bit true? All that aside, although all that characteristics of the humanity in this age, all of those characteristics are wholly a creation of the Black Lodge. They're wholly an outward expression of the ego. <clears throat> but the ego works for mechanical nature. The ego in humanity and in all man-made phenomena, the Black Lodge, the egos, are the agents of entropy. That's their job. <clears throat> the law of entropy applies to mechanical nature and everything that's manifest on this plane of existence. The egos rule during the Iron Age of a humanity, precisely because they are responsible <clears throat> for undermining and deteriorating and dissolving and causing to break down and fall apart all the foundations upon which that humanity 
that human that humanity and that human civilization was founded and built. <clears throat> From this standpoint, on a cosmic or on a macrocosmic scale, on the scale of a planet, the ego is an absolute necessity. However, there are degrees, there's a spectrum. And most planets, most humanities don't have nearly as much ego as this humanity has. That's because most planets don't carry the burden of karma that this planet does, which stretches back so far back into pre-antiquity that it is scarcely even worthwhile to get getting into because we don't even have a reference point with which to begin discussing the atrocities which took place again in such a far back prehistory that it is it is enough to say that this planet carries a great burden of karma and the humanity living on this planet has been coping with and dealing with that karma ever since. And all the beings born on this planet, because we are, we are a part of that being in its body, our karma is, is tangled up with the karma of the planet. Which is one of the reasons why there appear to be such extremes and extreme swings. Because mechanical nature, in addition to discussing the law of entropy, we can also refer, we can also discuss the law of the pendulum, the rhythm, the back and forth of the tides, of the days, the day and night cycle, of the water cycle, and of even ourselves. When we observe our egos, and we observe our, our emotions and our well-being, we, we also are on this pendulum swing. And the more ego we have, the more wild and extreme this pendulum swing becomes. So the more karma a planet has, the more extreme the, the, the pendulum swing becomes. So the intensity at the extremities is greater. And we, we can see that. We can, we can recognize that. When we look at extreme weather events, when we look at the ever-increasing, intensifying extremism on the left, on the right, religious fanaticism, the extreme wealth of the elite, and the extreme poverty at the other end of the spectrum. Because economists love to point out that 
you know, never, never has there been so little poverty or that we've somehow eradicated extreme poverty on the planet, et cetera, et cetera. But remember, in relative terms, in relative terms, this planet has never experienced greater disparity between the rich and the poor. The, 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 the relative, what was considered poor and considered wealthy was a much, much smaller gap in the past. Even though there were ultra-wealthy, there have always been ultra-wealthy and ultra-elite. And there's always been extreme poverty. But we're talking about sort of the major, like the large, where, where large numbers of people are concerned, where the humanity as a whole is concerned. Outliers are outliers, but as a whole, the, the disparity gap is widening as this law of the pendulum is becoming more and more extreme and the swings are becoming more and more extreme. And everything that we're describing to you are indicative and come with the territory of a Kali Yuga, of the Iron Age of humanity. Because like the snake, which must wriggle out of its skin, it must writhe and spasm and do whatever it can to rid itself of that skin, so too this planet must rid itself of this humanity, this global civilization. And the egos work for mechanical nature. The egos are here to accommodate and facilitate that process. So here, we begin to get into some of the facts or circumstances. Well, you know what? We're going to pause. We'll, we'll, we'll take a time out here just for a moment. And we uh, have not been paying attention to the chat. So let's just go over. We have uh, some greetings. We have a blessing in disguise. We have some more greetings. We have Genevieve says, I wonder if Gates wanted to block the sun for a spiritual or anti-spiritual reason. Let's, can we address that question in a minute and, or perhaps a little later? Because There are those who are outliers and fall outside of the this simple spiritual spiritual or anti-spiritual reasoning. So so the answer is yes, he wants to block out the sun, but it's neither for spiritual nor anti-spiritual reasons, if that makes any sense. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Joel says, man showed up after animals, so I have a hard time believing the planet would die without humans converting that energy back to undifferentiated matter. That matter will become uh, indifferentiated through natural process, whether we intervene or not. No, because that's, uh, first of all, what makes you think that that uh, that uh, 
uh, human beings evolved from animals. And what animal are you aware of that can generate the psychic energy and the sexual energy on the frequencies that human beings can? We cannot, we cannot turn to materialist science and their erroneous theories of evolution and say that, well, well, a planet can get by without human beings. The other question is, what about the development and the evolution of the planet itself? Meaning, a planet in its infancy may only have minerals or plants and no higher level organisms but it's clearly evolving towards that state. Everything that exists, exists for a reason. So you can say to yourself, well, I find it hard to believe that, that uh, someone can't digest uh, celery sticks without a microbiome in their gut, without bacteria in their gut. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that in the absence of bacteria in the gut, the body will find a way to adapt and find a way to to uh, break down and digest the fiber in a celery stick. But the facts are, but the facts prove that the opposite. If someone has no gut biome, they are in very, very, very deep trouble. They're in a terrible state without the essential symbiotic relationships of their microcosmic ecosystem of the human machine of the human body and this planet entirely relies on its ecosystems it's entirely relies on its ecosystems and its kingdoms because they are the organs of the physical body of the planet again the planet cannot cannot absorb the energy we're not talking about digesting physical matter here of course if an animal dies its body is going to rot of course that's the case but we're not talking about the planet reabsorbing the body which came from the planet we're not talking here physically we're not talking about the physical level here we're talking about the metaphysical level we're talking about the planet absorbing the solar light the christic light the christic fire the planet cannot absorb that in its raw, pure form. It must be broken down into this spectrum of prana that is created by different uh, uh, kingdoms and different levels. This is a... The law of... Uh, oh. Trogo auto egocratic law, if we're saying that one right. Gurdjieff uh, writes about it, that the word itself comes from Atsaluth, but it's the planetary Trogo auto egocratic law, if, if we remember that correctly. Okay. All right. So there's a few other comments here in one balance and Genevieve says, but they want us to be flexible with them. Yes. Referring to those behind this, uh, co the, uh, the, the global plague. All right. So that brings us to some of these specific events that we're dealing with, that we're observing in the world. 
or perhaps we'll we'll offer if anyone has any questions at this time with what we've said so far in terms of what must happen because this has happened to atlantis to lemuria to hyperborea and to the polar race the polar humanity so we are the fifth root race in this current round so we are simply living in those times that the previous humanities also had to go through and there we do have stories and legends and myths but they're not myths of the fall of atlantis but many of those myths and stories including the story of noah and the great flood are not strictly speaking histories and not strictly speaking describing the destruction of the world in macrocosm they those stories and myths are a warning to us and a guide to us for how to achieve the revelation of the consciousness the revelation of the self in microcosm and it is this misunderstanding and it is this failure absolute utter failure of modern intellectuals to honor respect and be cognizant of the universal law of as above so below as in microcosm so in macrocosm you see in the ancient world they knew this they understood this so clearly it was so absolutely fundamental to their view of reality that man was the whole world in microcosm so that all of their myths and all of their literature all of their stories all of their legends all of their fairy tales all of talk of what's happening in the kingdom or what's happening in the world or what's happening in the heavens and the hells and everything all of that when an ancient individual read that they immediately and always made the connection to their own inner psychology their own inner world because in all of us exists the whole firmament firmament the heavens and the hells exist inside of us not outside of us the world we perceive the kingdom we perceive the civilization we perceive the planet we perceive the solar system the galaxy the universe that we perceive out there we are not just theoretically or allegorically or analogously representative in microcosm we are actually all that in microcosm because all that is in us we affect the universe this 
modern new age notion about us creating our reality and they use this as the impetus and the justification and rationalization for black magic for manifesting their desires etc etc manipulating and controlling reality according to their own egos but this is their or conversely when you try to talk to them about the Kali Yuga, many of these new agers say, no, 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 you're just creating that reality with your fear. And that the Kali Yuga was created by uh, uh, religions in order to manipulate and control the population by fear. These individuals fail to recognize the bitter irony of them saying that. No, 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 I don't want to believe in the Kali Yuga. I don't want to believe in the destruction of humanity. You just made that up so that you can control everybody with fear. All right, so why are you denying the universality of death? Could it be because of, oh, I don't know, fear? But this they fail to see. They fail to see the irony and hypocrisy of their own reactions. Because, of course, they're asleep. They're blind. Apocalypse means revelation. That to reveal. Someone in denial of the evidence, of denial of reality, in denial of death, of their own mortality, they're asleep. No one can awaken while being in denial of their own mortality. No one can, because to be awake means to know that this body, this flesh, this personality is not who I really am. Someone who's awake doesn't believe that. They know that. They know it like they know it like they know it, in which case they know that death is an absolute death will come to this body to this personality so that's why i must not identify with it and i must not remain attached to it nor to anyone around me nor to my community my religion my race my creed my country my nation my flag my humanity because this humanity is only temporary it's fleeting it's impermanent Janice says meanwhile the Kali energies roll in and they are just there with the heads in sand yeah the Kali Yuga energies have been with us for a while they're just becoming more and more intense now this, we can go back to the earlier, uh, okay, G Genevieve, who asked, I wonder if Bill Gates wants to block out the sun for spiritual or anti-spiritual reasons. This planet, even though mechanically its cycles and everything are governed by the moon on on a 
uh, macrocosmic scale, but on a macrocosmic scale in related to itself, on a larger scale, the cycles for this planet are, the cycles of humanity are governed at least in part by Hercobulus, Hercobulus, the the planet Hercobulus, which has a very large orbit. And if we're, we may not be remembering our numbers right, but it's 25,000 years or roughly thereabouts, it's, it's returning the planet Hercobulus. And that was what one of the impetuses for the, uh, that determines the, the cycle of humanities for the planet. And, but the energies of the Kali Yuga come from the sun. So global warming is not a product of carbon dioxide. That's a myth. That's a lie. Global warming comes from the sun. After all, the sun is the source of all energy in the solar system. The sun is the source of all life in our solar system. And if you want to turn, if you want to increase the temperature in your house, you turn up the furnace. You don't run hot water in the showers to try to create enough steam to, to warm up the house. That's ridiculous. It would take forever to do that. And you'd have to turn your house, your entire house into a sauna to make that happen. And even then, you couldn't achieve it without applying heat in, term, in, in terms of hot water. So the notion of global warming caused by this so-called greenhouse effect is absolutely ridiculous and it's been debunked by many 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 scientists we don't want to get into this the specifics of that particular uh idea that particular erroneous theory what we want to focus on is the fact that the energy that the planet uses and absorbs and is absorbing to and is transforming and using transforming into death energy the energy of destruction because remember the fire of life the fire of creation the fire of sex both creates and destroys the fire that creates the phoenix also consumes the phoenix and the fire that consumes the phoenix gives birth to the phoenix out of the ashes. It's the same fire. It's the Christic fire. The Kundalini is the Christic fire. Make no mistake. It is the Christ. But it is the Christ at a lower level. At the, lower, at the level of primal nature. But that fire has the power of procreation. And it also has the power of creation and destruction. And of, of so, and that's why Kali is divine mother Kali. We can think of the we can think of the Kali Yuga energy is simply the kundalini of this planet awakening and simply transforming itself into that. Divine Mother Kali, Kali, the destroyer of worlds. That's where it comes from so to block out the sun 
to block out the sun means someone is very aware what the source of these Kali energies is and the fact that the solar flares and the solar activity has been increasing in the sun nonstop for at the very least the past seven years and going back further than that. The sun has been intensifying. The Christic light has been intensifying on the planet, of course, because it's time for this planet to shed its humanity, and that requires energy. The intensification of the fire. The egos, the Black Lodge, use that energy as well, because we all know that the egos crave the sexual force and want to steal it from humanity. And look how they have been stealing it from humanity. Look how they have been using this plague, this supposed plague, to generate all sorts of fear. And the planet has been absorbing that fear. And it's it's collecting all of this energy that that this humanity is generating but it's negative energy it's going down down and out of humanity all of the sex all of the gluttony all of the violence and the violent video games and the movies and now movies are at home everybody's locked indoors and they're all being fed content content on these streaming services and they're all binge watching sex and violence and and ultra realistic displays that have zero allegorical value, none, absolutely zero truth, zero poetry, none. The so-called golden age of television brought in what Plato would call a never-ending stream of profanity. Not just mediocrity, but but travesty, uh, 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 an absolute pornography of the stage because the stage is a sacred space, Plato said. It's a, it's a space of magic. It's a space of love. It is a space of heightened reality where we can play out in symbols and allegories great cosmic truths so that people can have cathartic experiences magical experiences can touch God in real time. When was the last time any television program or any streaming content moved you to tears and really moved you to tears out of the sheer beauty that somehow, somewhere it was divinely inspired and now you were, you were, you were communing with that divinity through this, through the medium. So to block out the sun, then, would be someone's attempt to buy themselves more time, perhaps. Because perhaps they have in, invested in the uh, in the current space race between billionaires. 
you probably have noticed that. You may or may not have noticed or heard about the billionaires building bunkers around the world in old missile silos in the former Soviet Union or on this in boring and drilling into the sides of cliffs in islands all over the world in these remote areas usually where there's relatively good weather but they're but they're a lot of them are not building bunkers underground some are but the if they're building bunkers underground they're they're doing that on, on high ground so even around the world in islands they won't they won't they obviously won't build a bunker below sea level because they all believe that the sea the sea level is rising so they're they're finding cliff faces and things and they're drilling sideways in and they're leaving i don't know how many feet between their abode and their and they're built and these they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these things but they're all building they're all prepping they're all doing their own version of doomsday prepping but they're doing it as billionaires do right where everything is like lined with gold and marble and you know all that all that stuff that they're into that's a very real thing it's actually it's a it's happening all over the world they know they know something is coming and they're preparing for the worst they're preparing for the worst what are the other interesting developments that we can share with you which tie into what we might be able to expect because now let's we'll, we'll move we'll begin to move away now from the sort of generalized discussion metaphysical esoteric discussion of Yuga's in general and the science around them and so on and let's start moving into the specifics of what we have been experiencing this global plague has been met with a fair amount of resistance in different pockets around the world we have a friend who lives in us in Austria and she informed us that a very large percentage of the population there has refused the vac the uh, the injection and she also says that according to the news there the the plague is very high among the non-injected population so they're doing their best to try to coerce and scare the population of austria into getting the injection all around the world various authorities are preparing via different methodologies to document those who are injected 
and those who have refused to comply with the mandatory injection or the highly recommended injection. What such an inventory, what such a database provides the authorities and by authorities you may surmise authoritarian regime they will have essentially a catalog of that portion of the population which is compliant and that which is not this plague and this inventory gives any authoritarian regime a way to separate the, again, the compliant, the trouble-free, those who will go along with any authority and any narrative and any mandate, so long as it's presented in such a way where it promises to preserve their way of life or their normality or as long as it purports to protect that which they are identified with and attached to. So in the case of the plague and these injections, it was the new normal. Oh, it's just the new normal. But it's going to protect you, your way of life, and things. Will be, you'll be able to travel, for example. You'll be able to go out. You'll be able to socialize. You'll be able to be entertained if you comply. Non-compliance resulted in basically house arrest. Now, it does not take a genius to realize that the difference between house arrest and incarceration is a very, very, very thin line. And once you start codifying all of the compliant and non-compliant by way of a census, a digital census in the way of injection passports, let's say, you now know who are the compliant and who are the non-compliant, i.e. who are the troublemakers i.e. who are the ones who will potentially rise up in arms? Who are the ones who will likely organize themselves into bands of resistance, into bands of rebellion, into bands of revolutionaries? In Germany, in the 1930s, certain individuals were required to register 
And then later, they were required to wear physical, visual brands indicating that they were known and registered types. All this can be done digitally today. What has emerged in the information recently is that in Australia, where they've already built camps, Aboriginal communities are being raided and Aboriginal peoples are being abducted en masse from their, the equivalent of reserves, their, their Aboriginal communities. They're being raided and, and, and abducted. No one knows precisely to where yet, but we can presume that those camps that were built in Australia some of them are no longer empty, presumably. But in any case, the individuals responsible, although they were wearing Australian military uniforms, when challenged, actual members of the Australian military said that we, we were not involved no one from the Australian military was involved. And the Australian military does not use those kinds of vehicles. The types of vehicles that were recorded and seen during this abduction process, sort of like black dark vans type stuff. So the military individual said that whoever was doing this, they were dressed up as Australian military, but they were not Australian military. They were either hired contractors or whoever, but, but they were not, they were not Australian military. When we consider we we had, we don't know precisely what the mood in Australia is like in relation to their Aboriginal community. Here in Canada, it is very, the, the First Nations are held in a very high regard and there's a great deal of white guilt that's held above the rest of Canada. So we had felt that it is very unlikely that the government here would ever move against the First Nations communities in Canada. And there certainly doesn't seem to be any inkling, any direction of that taking place here. Australia is a different matter, however, and 
what we are sharing with you, what's happening there, dovetails with a 60 Minutes Australia edition story which was discussing the scenario of China invading Australia. Were, what would happen were China to make a move on Australia? And what the fallout might be from that. Now, China is a nuclear superpower, and it also has the largest military in the world, quite a bit larger than the U.S. military. Also, population-wise, China dwarfs the U.S., in terms of population, in terms of the size of their military, and, in, and also in terms of the military training that their population receives. So even their reserves, were they to call in a draft, which they can do in China like this, their population is actually already trained and prepared to go to war. Now, China loves their camps. China has people in camps all over the country because they are a totalitarian socialist state they have their social credit system and dissidents uh, enemies enemies of the state are put in these camps and all sorts of China has many many different ethnicities religions, creeds, and those different groups are often rounded up and put into camps rather than China have to deal with them and as troublemakers, causing problems, causing friction and resistance, etc. Stirring up anti-China sentiment, anti-party sentiment. So, by rounding up Aborigines, those who know how to survive and live off the land and know the ins and those who can those who would become very valuable assets to a resistance movement in Australia because they would know the land and know how to live off the land. They would know how to evade capture and evade detection by a modern technological military. So by rounding them up and rounding up the uninjected, those who were unwilling to comply with the authoritarian with the authorities of the Western state, if they can put all of those people into camps ahead of time, then China will be able to walk into Australia as the Germans walked into Poland with relatively no resistance, with, with relatively no fighting. Because those who complied with the injection, they're not going to cause any trouble. A sheep is a sheep is a sheep. 
a sheep will follow this shepherd just as easily as he'll follow that shepherd. The sheep just wants to wants things to go back to normal. Things the sheep just wants to be able to, you know, have their entertainment, eat their food, go to work, have their sex, watch their 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 Netflix. And that's and that's it. So if a new authoritarian regime comes in and says, oh, well, you know, you're going to be able to live the way you've lived up until now. Just don't cause any trouble. Oh, and by the way, in addition to your injection passport, there's a new app you have to install on your phone. It's called your social credit score app. Those people will be those people will be signing up for that app like this. And the people who wouldn't be signing up for that app, the people who would put up a resistance, the people who would refuse to accept the new authoritarian regime marching into their country, well, they're all in camps already. Exactly where an authoritarian regime like China would want them to be. One of the features of the Kali Yuga for this humanity is a third world war. And it is a metaphysical war. It is an esoteric war. It is not, it is like the previous world wars. It's will be under a false pretense. Genevieve just mentioned China was training training with our, our military. We're, we're assuming, Genevieve, you mean the U.S. military. Dylan says, didn't Russia have troops stationed off the border of Canada? Canada is in China's back pocket. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah, Canada. Okay. So, all right. So Genevieve, China, uh, sorry, Canada is in China's back pocket. And all we have to do is look at, you know, look at the way our so-called illustrious prime minister um, what will be on the surface as a third world war will eliminate it will be played out in order to justify a massive expenditure for the development of new technologies just as the second world war did the second it was under the Second World War that the United States became the world's superpower that it did. And it was during the Second World War that all of the advances, advances in modern chemistry, yeah, chem so. The petrochemical industry, the petrochemical industry, which gave rise 
to the modern pharmaceutical industry and the modern uh, super agri-food business industry because the modern day pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers were all born from the second world wars chemical warfare research mostly from germany the germans are the ones who uh, perfected perfected developed and really perfected the petrochemical industry and uh, chemistry as this new super subject everything from the v2 rockets and the rocket fuel that fueled them to the the diesel fuel that powered all of the the axis machinery but also the chemicals that they were developing for chemical and biological warfare names like Bayer, you may know it better as Bayer aspirin well you know that Bayer also produces some of the most carcinogenic herbicides and pesticides used in ag in modern agriculture and they're also one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies right with their left hand they create the poisons and the carcinogens and on the right hand they create the treatments the so-called medicines the chemotherapies all of that know-how all of that all of those chem first of all all of those chemicals are all derived from oil they're all petrochemicals because the long chain the long chain complex carbon molecules that are in crude oil that's that's to these modern chemists that's to them like lego and that's what they control and manipulate to create all of these these this paraphernalia that uh that we that we put on our crops that we spray on our children that we put on our bodies that we put in our bodies it's 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 an abomination but all of that was fueled right necessity is the mother of invention the ego mind says so let us let us create dire necessity and what could be more dire necessity than than a threat an existential threat so we have to do global warming as an existential threat we have to the existential threat must be count it must be able to be countered you see the the black lodge cannot use the kali yuga the apocalypse the revel uh as as the existential threat because that's inevitable death is inevitable right if if no one can sell anybody anything if that person is on their deathbed death is imminent and death is assured their death cannot be leveraged in any way even the catholic church all they can do is come in and give you the last rites even they can't get much from you on your deathbed maybe they can get get you to 
right in your local church, your uh, your local uh, chapel, your local uh, diocese into your will so that you leave your local church some of your money. And maybe they can convince you to do that either before, during, or after they're giving you the last rites. But you're going to die. So in other words, there's nothing, to, there's nothing to leverage that danger against because it's imminent. You might as well accept it. So what does the Black Lodge do? They know this danger is imminent. So what do they do? They, they have to create all of these false, well, you've heard this term before, false flags, right? These, these false narratives around the danger, like global warming, well, and it's man-made global warming. Well, that can be reversed. That can be prevented. So what do we have now? We have leverage. We have the necessity being the mother of, invent, of invention. Look at the explosion in electric cars taking place around the world. All of the major car companies have announced that they will be at least 50% of their fleets will be all electric by 2030 or 20, yeah, 2030. And some of them have promised to have 100% of the vehicles that they will sell in 2030 will be electric. They're phasing out the internal combustion engine. The sheer magnitude of the economic investment, that's the capital investment that's being put into that that technological shift is enormous. <clears throat> we cannot begin to calculate it. Then look at these billionaires building these th this modern day space race, these rocket ships into space or whatever. Well, necessity is the mother of invention for them because all of them are convinced that they can avoid the Kali Yuga, that they can that they can uh, survive it. But you and I, we're not going to be on those rockets. They're not building those rockets for us. Right? They're building it for themselves and their friends. And all those, all those doomsday preppers and all the elites building their bunkers and everything. So they, they're preparing in their own way. But everybody else, they need to create these necessities to mobilize us and all of our energy and all of our efforts to feed into what they need, which is the, which is the development of more technologies, of more industries, of more wealth, of more power, in order for them to be able to try to fuel their own escape plans, their own defense plans to defend themselves against the Kali Yuga. The rest of us, the rest of the planet is all cannon fodder. And the Kali Yuga, or the Kali Yuga, the Black Lodge, which is responsible and which works for mechanical nature, knows that this humanity is, and this civilization is gonna be destroyed anyway, And they're, they're part of that. They're, they're part to make that happen. So a third world war plays into that very nicely. A third world war contributes to that liquidation and that destruction plan. So that is something very much on the horizon. What is also on the horizon is the impact of these injections themselves now it's unbelievable how brazen some of these groups can be but 
there was a story on CNN that scientists had developed mechanical organisms that can now replicate themselves. Mechanical microorganisms that can replicate themselves. This was on CNN, on the mainstream media. What hasn't been shown on CNN or any mainstream media are the hydra, the self-organizing mechanical organisms that are that come together by way of mechanical nanoparticles. They they get injected and they seek one another out in the bloodstream and they begin to self-organize and start forming cylindrical and tubular structures which then connect to one another in around a central hub and they create these three-dimensional hydra-like arms or tentacles and they're entirely mechanical entirely constructed of these nanobots or nanoparticles let's be fair nanoparticles nanobots is a little bit too science fictiony and they're not to the best that anybody can tell they're not that sophisticated or perhaps they are we just haven't had an opportunity to really get inside them because they're so small how do you study them and they create these these hydras now you can see videos about all everything that we're describing on places like bitshoot and so on uh don't bother searching youtube for any of this stuff so it's it's quite interesting that mainstream media is now planting and communicating and what's the word that people like to use they're normalizing this notion of nanomachines that are able to reproduce themselves so scientists have been uh, scientists and lab workers and so on studying people's blood who have received the injection have found these nanobots and these these self-organizing mechanical hydra is it possible is it possible that these things can also reproduce themselves this is a question that we don't have a definitive answer on but what we do know is that the mainstream media has already announced that scientists know how to create nanomachines that can reproduce themselves and over here we know 
that the injection contains nanomachines that can self-organize themselves. So if we put two and two together, it is not an incredible stretch of the imagination to say that it may be possible, perhaps not in the existing injections, but perhaps in future injections, the so-called boosters, that these self-organizing machines will also be able to replicate themselves. The implications of that cannot be understated in terms of the effects, the, the deleterious effects that the injection might have on those who have received it or receive it in the future. You may have been watching some of the reports about young people dropping dead of what is the official medical terminology pulmonary anyway heart attacks they've been they've been dropping dead of heart attacks and some of them as young as 12 years old and younger but also professional athletes rugby players, you name it. And some of them have been dropping dead on live television in the middle of a game. And the numbers are extraordinarily high, far higher than, because people have, people are, you know, the mainstream media and whatnot are trying to make excuses saying, oh, but young people, young people and athletes have always had heart attacks. And it's now gotten to the point where some reports and some, uh, articles have been saying, well, heart attacks might actually be good for you. Um, what's actually causing these things? Well, so far, most of the information that we have seen has suggested that everyone who has dropped dead of a uh, uh, heart attack Yeah, pulmonary infarction, something like that. Myo, myo, myopulmonary infarction. Anyway, something like that. Um, that they've all that they've all had the injection, that they all received the injection. So that's something to consider. The other thing that came to light was the use of a banned substance in US hospitals when people were um submitted with uh with uh the plague when people were taken into u.s hospitals with the plague you know how there was this um there was this controversy around that antiviral medication and uh that was proven useful and so on and so forth but then there was it was not in it was not made available in the United States. Instead, they used a different substance, which is actually banned and very harmful, very detrimental. And it turns out that's what they were injecting 
into uh, plague patients in the, in the United States early on. So when there was that whole situation with ventilators and shortages of ventilators, the reason why all these people are being put on ventilators, because that's one of the side effects of this very horrible antiviral uh, banned substance is that it causes uh, lung, uh, lung failure. And so they were all put on breathing machines and many of them, many of them died. And the death rate from the plague was, was much, much, much higher in the United States. And especially of those hospitalized was much higher than elsewhere in the world. And uh, so it's clear again, that part of what's unfolding is the there seems to be an approach where they're using, of course, fear to get as many people as possible. And now younger and younger and younger here in Canada, they just recently approved. Yes. Thank you, Jaina. Myocarditis. Myocarditis. Um, the, uh, there now is, we just saw in the last 24 hours, some petition or something here. Was it on, on in Ontario to make the uh, booster shots uh, available to, to younger and younger children or more people or whatever the case may be? So there's actually entire like movements now that are growing around this, around this, uh, this, this, this plague farce. That are demanding demanding these poisons so you can see how and we've said this before the yes the black lodge works for mechanical nature but the black lodge also works for the white lodge and we have discussed this before when we talk about the world as a chess game and life experience the universe is this chess game and the battle for the souls of humanity takes place between the white lodge and the black lodge as if they were two opponents moving pieces on a chessboard, the white pieces and the black pieces. Now, as we've often said, your opponent is not your enemy. They're just your opponent. And when you get to the end game, when you get to the end game, specifically, when you get to the end of the game, the game ends and it's over, both players reset the board. They shake hands, they say good game, and they reset the board. In other words, both sides work together to achieve the same goal, which is to reset the board. Prepare the board for the next round. We have mentioned before that what is coming will not be endured, cannot be endured by anyone who is possessed, ruled, governed by fear. They will lose their mind. They will go insane. They will suffer intolerably. And they may 
commit acts which which cause such karmic devastation that it would be best for everyone if those who are so possessed by fear if they are not around to experience the end of the Kali Yuga because they will not handle it they will they will turn into monsters and the actions they take the things that they do may add so much more karma collectively to humanity and to this planet that they cannot be allowed to persist for their own sake and for the sake of the planet so creating a fear-based pandemic in which everyone who's afraid everyone who's possessed by fear agrees to a time released anesthetic and or euthanizing injection right it's the same thing that you do if you have a, a pet if you have a pet and that pet is is old and is suffering and you know it would just it's just cruel to allow them to continue suffering you take that beloved pet and you take it to the vet and you ask the vet to put it down this poison that they're injecting into people will have one if not one or both effects on those who have received it on the one hand they might become that much more oblivious that much more asleep that much more zombified and anesthetized that much more unconscious and the more unconscious they are the more they just remain at home and the more they just consume what comes in you know on the the internet or on the television screen then perhaps they can be kept ignorant and isolated from the terrible changes and transformations taking place on a planetary scale and all the death and the loss and the suffering out there maybe they can be they can be anesthetized in that way but a great many of them will just simply be euthanized and it's probably for the best considering that they don't have much of a future anyway this humanity doesn't have much of a future the civilization it will be destroyed and those who are not doing the work those who are not prepared those who are not awake and prepared to ride out what's coming that uh, then they have no future anyway why put them through all that suffering when they won't be able to handle it they can't handle it
There is, of course, another phenomenon, which perhaps you've heard of recently, and it seems to be, it seems to be becoming more and more in the zeitgeist of the mainstream. It keeps popping up its head, and that is this, this alien presence these declassified files and videos and footage of of military planes chasing and being chased by ufos and all sorts of other declassified information and a lot of it as it's being pushed in the mainstream media or in the various different outlets that we have seen seems to suggest seems to conclude that these highly advanced alien beings are planning some sort of an, of invasion that we have to but certainly that we have to fear them so on the other hand we also know that based on the false flag operations and the way that the Black Lodge has worked in the past about creating boogeymen, like for example, 9-11 and the entire uh, Al-Qaeda creation, it is also very likely that perhaps after or during some sort of global conflict between superpowers here on earth that some false flag scenario plays out whereby the all of the warring factions agree to band together and unite against the new common threat a new common enemy from outer space and that now this unification this this allying across and you know the entire planet and uniting humanity against the common threat this has been played out in comic books in science fiction and in genre filmmaking for decades, literally decades. So we're almost 50. Um, that means everyone our age who has been into comic books or sci-fi or sci-fi movies or anything like that, we've all been saturated. We've all been um, conditioned to believe that aliens from another world are more than likely uh, malevolent and have uh, uh, insidious intentions, malevolent intentions. And they're so technologically advanced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now that conflict or perceived conflict or imagine conflict because it is 
entirely a constructed, fabricated conflict. There are no enlightened humanities that have any intention in invading and conquering the earth. And no humanity is allowed interstellar travel unless they're enlightened. Because the White Lodge will not allow, will not allow the ego infestation to spread from one planet to another. Planets are kept in a kind of interplanetary quarantine, a galactic quarantine. This planet is under quarantine. The only beings that are allowed to come here and interact with humanity or are allowed to reincarnate here. For example, you've probably heard of the Palladians and uh, these. there's so many groups on Facebook and New Agers, whatever, that they all believe themselves to be uh, from Pleiades and that they're here for specific reason and they're here to participate in the new golden age of this humanity and 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 there's none of them can get their story straight it's true that there are members of other humanities who have in, who have reincarnated here because the opportunity to work on themselves and the opportunity to pay karma is enormous and there are and there are countless humanities that are working to help this humanity during its time of need, during its time of crisis in the Kali Yuga, it's the, during its time of reckoning. But there are zero, absolutely zero threats from off-world. None. So anything that you see or hear at any time about people being abducted by aliens or so on and so forth, either they were being abducted in the astral plane by Black Lodge or other malevolent entities. Or they were being they were being used in CIA psyops and they were being abducted and being subjected to all of these <clears throat> torments by and but but injected with something so they have hallucinations and so on. So that to, to give them the impression and the belief that it was an alien abduction. Meanwhile, it was an abduction by CIA operatives that, are, that have been doing this for decades now in order to perpetuate and to build credibility behind the, the, the enemy alien threat. Because... Again, necessity is the mother of invention. If you can create the illusion that there are countless threats who are technologically advanced and they have these vehicles that can move in these amazing ways or ridiculous ways or dangerous ways or whatever, their technology is so much more advanced than ours, we have to catch up. So now you can convince the world to throw all of their energy and all of their efforts, whereas before they were throwing all of their energy and all of their efforts behind a massive new industrialization, roboticization, whatever it is that they want to achieve in order to, to create new weapons of mass destruction against one another. Now it's going to be even 
more technologically advanced, even more imperatives, even more um, uh, important in order to create technologically advanced weapons to fight the made-up threat from space. And the end result of that is that the people in power and the elite, so on, will end up with vehicles and vessels of phenomenal capability and capacity. And they will have weapons of destruction and control of incredible power. And they feel that with that, they will not only be able to endure whatever the Kali Yuga has to throw at them, they might be able to go into space or go to the moon or whatever and wait it out. And then they can survive up there. And then after it's all finished, they can come back. And then they expect to find primitive, you know, primitive, uh, a primitive humanity, which they can then take control of all over again. The bloodlines can, can, can do that. That's what certain groups have in mind that they will be able to achieve. All of this, are we saying it's going to play out this way? That it's going to be A, B, C, exactly the way? We're not. What we are doing is playing chess. And we are looking at the board, and we are looking at the positions on the board, and we are looking at the moves that the opponent is making. And we are anticipating what the next moves could be. Because remember, it's fluid. It's dynamic. Although a world war is most certainly in the cards. And the only reason we say that is because we have it on good information that this is, we're getting into some, some challenging metaphysical topics if we get into this, but everything that, everything that unfolds in 3D space unfolds in the astral plane first. That's why many dreams that we have are prophetic. Because we're dreaming about the future, not the past. It has been said that the Third World War has already crystallized in the astral plane. And that in fact, the White Lodge is holding it back. They have, they have been using all of their power and their efforts to to hold back the tide, to give humanity, to give us more time to develop, to work on ourselves, to awaken, to give a chance for more individuals to, to wake from their slumber. So it is almost... It's not a guarantee, but it's 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 very 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 likely that that some sort of global conflict is on her on the horizon, unless of course something has taken place on the astral plane by the mercy and the grace of the White Lodge or whatever that we don't know about, that we haven't heard about, that we're not privy to. We can only share with you that which we know. And for whatever reason, the details are not available to us, 
But again, if you know something about the, the, the quantum space and the probable futures and the Kali Yuga is a time of confusion. Even though it's a time of unveiling, a time of revelation. Oh, yes. Okay. Pardon, Dylan. We're going to jump in here. Bob Lazar is the individual that Dylan is uh, referencing here. He has spent his lifetime exposing the, yeah, the UFO technology. And now the thing about Bob Lazar is he is a hyper intellectual individual very 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 smart it's it really is worth meditating on whether he is revealing or whether he is a part of whether he's really part of the counterintelligence movement there but we'll leave that to you to make that decision for yourself Aletheria says it feels like the war is on the people instead of between nations maybe it will be both you're right about that um we have felt very much that it will be a combination a combination of both because really there there is this force there's this philosophy methodology politics that they want to prevail and that is the socialist authoritarianism of of china the elite love the success that china has had as a superpower they love the they love the control that china has over its people they love the social credit score system and they want to be able to have that everywhere. So what better way to do that than to have a kind of uh, war where you can, like, for example, they could very easily move that system into Australia, as we've already described. Now, moving that system into other parts of the world, not so easy to do. However, in other parts of the world, it's already being cultivated from within. Three generations now have been brought up uh, uh, in universities being taught this social justice, postmodernist, neo-Marxism garbage. Look at the movies. Look at look at everything that's going into Hollywood and, and, and television these days. It's all pushing the same agenda, the socialist, neo-Marxist agenda. Now, there's a lot of pushback against that. And lo and behold, a lot of that pushback happens to be coming from those same troublemakers who own guns, who are refusing the injection, who believe in small government, who believe in their constitution and their freedoms. They, many of them are born again Christians or some degree of God-loving, God-fearing people. So these people have to be dealt with in some way. So will this global war be a war between nations or will it be a war between political ideologies? 
that takes place sometimes across borders, but very often within borders. The Kali Yuga is a time of confusion. It is, this is, we cannot remember where we read or heard or received the, the, the knowledge that it'll be a time of wars and rumors of wars. A time of wars and rumors of wars. And yes, it's a time of revelation, but people misunderstand that. People read that and say, oh, it's the great global awakening and the great awakening of humanity. And no, no, there is no evidence of that. If anything, as we described, in the past, this, this humanity is awakening negatively as, as Hasna Muslim, as awakened demons, awakening through their ego. And that energy of awakening is part of that Kali Yuga. But that awakening, that, that truth, that time of truth, that unveiling is the same type of energy that happens to people on their deathbed. When at the moment... That the angel of death comes calling and calling on them. Now, all of a sudden, their whole life flashes before their eyes. And all of a sudden, they realize all the things that they did wrong and all the things that they could have done and all the things that they should have done but didn't do. And they, and they, and they have this overwhelming revelation, this apocalypse, this lifting of the veil of the false self and the true self and the reality. Why? Because as Samael and Beor said, we can learn very little from the phenomena of birth, but from death, we can learn everything. Death is the great revealer because the death Shroud, ironically, the death shroud that covers our physical eyes, when we, when we can't see with our physical eyes anymore, we can't hear with our physical ears, we can't touch and feel with our physical senses, we can't experience with our physical bodies, now what's left? Right? We're not in the physical plane anymore. There's a great unveiling. And even atheists on their deathbed have converted. <laughs> because they realize death reveals all. Because when death comes, the veil, the shroud, that this 3D virtual reality is collapses, it falls away. And metaphysical reality is what is what remains. Unfortunately, what also remains is our level of being and our level of awakened consciousness. And if we are asleep, or if we are awake in our egos, then our metaphysical reality will be entirely controlled and subjected to the whims of those egos. Our fears, desires, cravings, aversions, etc.
In other words, the veil of reality will fall away, but we will not go to the solar astral plane. We will go to the lunar astral plane. And we have talked about that and we discussed that last time when we were referring to the astral plane. We will go into hell. We will go into Klipov. We will go into subjective reality. Because we will be asleep. Our consciousness will be asleep. Our consciousness will be in the hands of the egos that we have right now. But if we've done the work, if we've created our solar bodies, if, we've, if we have awakened our consciousness, then we already are aware of the virtual reality of this physical world. So when death comes, we will welcome it. We will say, finally, I've spent a whole lifetime, I've spent multiple lifetimes preparing for this moment. And now, now here it is. And we will be at peace and we'll be accepting and we will be in prayer and or meditation. We will be remembering our innermost, our divine mother, so that when all of this personality and body and everything is shed and falls away, what will remain is our true self in our true self awake in the solar astral plane and not just the solar astral plane but the solar causal plane the sixth dimension but the kali yuga itself a time of confusion a time of like watch a snake look up on youtube a video of a snake shedding its skin and writhing and trying to get out of it it's you know as normally a snake is as flexible and malleable as they are they're either you know stretched out or they're slithering or they're coiled up i mean they they have some they have some order to them but when they're trying to shed their skin and if if a snake is particularly having trouble shedding its skin some i know you you watch them and they just you know they just kind of contract their body and their skin pops off and they just and they slide right out and they just slip right out of the skin you know but others they've got to really wrestle at it they got to really wring themselves out of that out of that skin kali yuga for humanities are like the second snake kali yuga for awakened humanities are like the first snake but this humanity is hopelessly asleep So, again, we're not, we did not want to try to suggest that we are giving here prophecies and saying, you know, write all this down and because it's very fluid and the White Lodge is actively trying to help people awaken and we're trying to increase the numbers that we have in order to increase the numbers and the quality of seeds that we have with which to plant the next humanity, the seeds to go into the ark. That is the work that we're here doing. And so one of the reasons why we don't have exact details of when and how the Kali Yuga is because 
all of those are in flux while we're being given this time to do this work. And we still have some time because the actual physical arc itself, although we have the designs and we know what to do and more or less where to do it, those funds have also been denied us. And so we we do have some time left, but it's not, it's it's nothing that we can afford to take for granted. None of us can. The thing about death is none of us know when death is going to arrive. Any of us, any of us might die at any time. Accidents happen. And so we cannot and should not take for granted that we have decades stretched out ahead of us to do the work. We, we may only have, we may not even have years. We may only have months. And some of us may only have days because we may get into an automobile sometime and be T-boned by a gigantic SUV. And we won't even know what hit us and we'll be gone. Will we be ready? There's only one way to know. And that is to meditate on your own death. It's one of the most powerful forms of meditation that you can do. And it may be as simple as just visualizing your own funeral. Who will be there? What will they say about you? Where will you be? At least two of the mystery schools that come to mind right away, the Tibetan mystery school, Tibetan Buddhism, and the Egyptian mystery school, both were death cults, meaning their entire practice revolved around the phenomena of death. That is why there exists, for instance, the Egyptian Book of the Dead and the Tibetan Book of the Dead. There may have existed the Norse Book of the Dead and the Zoroastrian Book of the Dead. There may have existed at some time the Babylonian or the Phoenician or who knows, right? But the point is, is that we do know of the Egyptian and the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And again, these tomes exist to give us a map with which we can formulate in our imagination what it will be like to go through that experience. And imagining ahead of time going through that experience and being honest with ourselves. So, for example, when Anubis places our heart on the scale and puts a feather on the other side of the scale. And in meditation, without thinking, without allowing pride or shame or fear or anxiety or anything else, get into the way but to really truly allow 
objective knowledge of oneself to determine is that feather going to be lighter or heavier than our heart are we going to pass that test have we eradicated all the heaviness from our heart have we have we eradicated all those egos all that negative energy all those dense aspects of ourselves our defects and our vices have we done the work are our hearts light joyful at peace accepting the kali yuga is an unbelievable opportunity for us to cultivate a heart which is lighter than a feather because if you can accept the plague if you can accept the third world war if you can accept the lies and the propaganda and the the schemes of insidiousness and malicious intent if you can accept that that's all part and parcel with the kali yuga that's the black lodge simply doing its job to help expedite ex expedite the destruction of this global civilization and the elimination of all those who aren't aren't ready to face the Kali Yuga. If you can be at peace and joy and happiness and acceptance and have a light heart and be lighthearted, even as the entire world crum crumbles and collapses around you, perhaps you've achieved that heart that's lighter than a feather. But don't believe it. Don't conjure up the illusion in your mind. Don't make it a fantasy. Know it as a fact. Know it objectively. And that's why we will be we will be challenged, we will be tested. Loved ones in our life, acquaintances, friends, whatever, situations, circumstances will be thrown at us constantly to test us how resilient are we are how accepting are we are we or are we reacting with anger are we reacting with fear are we reacting with anxiety if we're reacting to the things around us with fear anger and anxiety with craving and aversion with envy for example envious of all of the elites who are shooting themselves up into space and rockets don't let's not be too envious of the elites who think that they're going to waited out on the moon or waited out in orbit or what have you and the ones building all their bunkers and so on don't envy them either the meek shall inherit the earth and where we are going to be building the ark is nowhere near where these jokers are building their bunkers
because none of them, none of them are looking to Northern Canada and the Canadian Shield to be there, to be where they build their, yeah, their bunkers, their shelters, their sanctuaries. It's too cold. It's too harsh. They're building their bunkers on cliff sides and tropical islands and tropical paradises and stuff because that's what they're used to. That's what they like. That's what they believe they can continue to get away with. Yeah, and then the other ones will be up in space. So, again, let them. Let them spend their money. Let them blow their brains out. Are you okay? Can you be happy with nothing? Can you be happy just the way you are? Can you be happy with... If everything you own and everything you've ever been attached to gets vanished like this, have you achieved that level of non-attachment? Where your only concern is for your immortal soul and the immortal souls of others, the, 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 the peace, joy, and happiness, the end of suffering of all beings. Where do your allegiances lie inside? How light is your heart? We want to arrive at a place where our heart is not only lighter than a feather, our heart floats. We want to get to the point where Anubis tries to put our heart on the scale and it just floats off the scale. It doesn't even want to sit on the scale. It just, it just wants to float. We're that light. We're that longing for those supernal worlds, for those higher states of being, for that higher beingness, so that we will have more light and more love to shower on others and to shower on the world. And to give, to give of ourselves. The more love you give, the less you'll have weighing down your heart. The more you accumulate for yourself, the more you think about what I want, what I need, what I fear, what I what I hate, what I envy, what I, right? The heavier your heart will be. So in the Kali Yuga, when everything is on the line and the entire planet and the whole of humanity is on the verge of losing everything, this is the time. This is your opportunity to give away all that you have to give and everything that you are and everything that you have the potential to be. This is your opportunity. This is your chance to mobilize it, to put all of that into activity. That is why if there are if there are beings from Pleiades, that is why they are here. Because it's a tremendous opportunity to be in the middle of all the confusion and to be in the middle of all the chaos and all the destruction and to be a beacon of light and hope and love in the middle of all that and to give and to give and to give when all around you People are only worried about holding on to that what they that which they have, and they're desperately 
grabbing onto it and they're desperately trying to hold onto it and cling to it and cling to life and cling to survival and cling to humanity and cling to whatever it is that they're clinging to. And you just want to shine this light and reach out a hand and tell them, let it go. As you hold out your hand, you say, let it go. It's like that scene from Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. When Indy was holding on to Elsa's hand and Elsa was trying to grab grab the, the, the grail. But it's just out of reach. It's just out of reach. And then she slips and falls. And then the rocks crumble. And now Henry... Indiana Jones' father, Sean Connery, is holding on to Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford is the one now, hanging. And he's reaching out. He's trying to get the grail and, and get the grail. He says, Dad, I can almost reach it. I can get it. I can get it. I'm, gonna, I'm almost there. I'm almost, I can almost reach it. And then Sean Connery says, Indiana, let, let it go. Henry Jones, who had spent his entire life obsessing over the grail, is the one who tells his son to let it go. And that's how Indiana Jones survives. It's these little moments like this, it's little teachings like this, that, that can give us hints and clues because there will be no shortage no shortage of individuals who are going to be grasping at at whatever whether it's their religion whether it's their nation whether it's their money their possessions their survival People will, be going, people will be losing their minds, clinging and grasping so desperately, trying to hold on to that which was, instead of being in the moment and accepting and surrendering to that which is, was, and always shall be. And the Kali Yuga, the end of a humanity, one's deathbed. This is the defining moment of any of any lifespan, of any run. We all, we all, this whole humanity should be taking an opportunity 
here and now, to be introspecting, to be working on themselves, to be asking, what can I do? Why am I here? Why was I born now, in this time, in this age? Why am I being challenged with all of these circumstances? What is my voice? What do I have to add? What do I have to give? What do I have to give away? What do I have to contribute? We have a few comments here. Love that movie. It's a it's a good one. <laughs> Enter the kingdom of God within. Yes. Yes, indeed. Enter the kingdom of God within. And while you're in there, find out what your innermost Lord wants you to do out there. Yeah, it's a chance. It's our chance here and now. And again, let's not take this chance for granted, shall we? Let's recognize that there are beings from other planets who have chosen to come here now and reincarnate here and now. And not just that, some of us have come here now to walk the path of the Bodhisattva during the Kali Yuga which the path of the bodhisattva is already a lifetime of suffering and sacrifice for humanity so put those two things together uh, a life of suffering and sacrifice for humanity in the middle of the the collapse and death of that humanity and a humanity that, in our experience, even so-called spiritual seekers and light workers and star seeds and are 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 less than receptive, more unreceptive than usual more firm in their belief and and stubborn and and attached and identified and again confused tangled up so as this serpent is trying to ride its way out of this old skin you know many people are getting knotted up and tied up in that process and they're all entangled and confused in their own mind with their own thoughts and beliefs and conditioning and conspiracy theories and all the rest of it. And then what they've read and what they've not read and new global awakening and new golden age and all this, all this. And it's just there. And then, then, then the Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back and then they're waiting for the rapture. And, and, and it's just, and then the, the wars and the rumors of wars, and it's just going to be more and more and more confusion upon complexity, upon confusion, upon chaos, upon complexity. But in the middle of all of that, 
right? All of that negative chaos that's breaking everything down, that, that is our opportunity to synthesize the clarity and the objective reality amidst all of that. That's really all we had to share and all we had to say at this moment. We may have another update in a, a few months' time, depending on how things are unfolding. We might be able to have another update on the Kali Yuga and, the, and where the craziness is heading or what's the latest and do we have a better sense of how much time and so on and so forth. But for now, this is where we're at. And hopefully we've given you some context to some of the events and some of the occurrences that are taking place. But if anybody has any questions or would like to add something or, or ask something, please do so now. Otherwise, we'll bid you all a, a good night. Anyone? We don't have a topic yet for Friday, so we're just waiting for inspiration on that. What practices, websites, or books should one dig into to keep a light heart? <laughs> uh, Revolutionary Psychology by Samael Bayor. It's about 80 pages. Start there. Uh, the poems of Rumi, what, whatever, whatever, uh, the music of Mozart, the music of Beethoven, the Ninth Symphony. But practice acceptance, practice allowance, practice surrender, surrender to your innermost. Pray to pray to your divine mother. A light heart doesn't come from books, right? The books can only teach you the practices that you can do that to 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 lighten your heart but work on the elimination of the ego observe yourself remember yourself observe the forces of darkness the heaviness inside of you always uh, uh, observe that then meditate on it um what are your suggestions to remain faithful to the truth and be not astray, especially in this time of confusion. What are your suggestions to remain faithful to the truth? Well, meditate. Meditate, meditate, meditate. Observe yourself and do not be so quick to listen to your own mind and your own beliefs and the beliefs of others. So you have within you a source of information that you can use to verify and validate anything and everything, but you must cultivate that. And the cultivation of that requires meditation. It requires practice. So in it, so and that which you know, and once you know it, don't be so quick to throw it away 
for someone else's theory that sounds good or just because it makes a lot of sense. Even Dylan here says, that was crazy, makes a lot of sense, but that's fine. That's fine that your mind thinks it makes a lot of sense, but we would much rather you meditate, meditate on your own death, meditate on the destruction of this humanity. We have information that the ultimate destruction of this humanity will, will take place uh, via earthquakes. But you but you you've seen enough movies about war and you've seen enough Hollywood movies we're sure that you have the you have the 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 tools the Lego the visual Lego with which to imagine the destruction of this humanity earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunamis because volcanoes volcanoes and tsunamis also come part and parcel with earthquakes it's all geological overactivity right earthquakes under the ocean create tsunamis you can go back onto youtube and actually look at the tsunami that hit japan and literally just just wiped away it, like an entire region of, of the country just just washed it away and do you realize that even things like automobiles and motorcycles from the Japanese tsunami were washing up on the floors of uh, on the shores of Vancouver. Right? Just just imagine that for a minute. What the what the power of nature is, and the power of an earthquake under the ocean, that it can create a current, a tidal current that washes away an entire region of a country, and then deposits the debris on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. So just let that process sink in and then visualize that. Imagine that happening on a planetary basis. Then you start to begin to appreciate the magnitude of what we are speaking about here. Right? We're not talking about a few little earthquakes here and there and whatever. We're talking about cataclysmic change. We're talking about the planet shedding an entire organ, an entire, like a snake, shedding its skin. The, the, the planet permanently altering its surface on a global scale. This, this change may also include a complete pole shift where the entire crust of the earth will rotate 90 degrees where the poles will go to the equator and what's at the equator will go to the poles there is there is so much which might unfold during this process and this process won't won't be over a course of days or course of weeks it'll be over over the course of hundreds of years So it, it is not it is not something to be taken lightly. It is not trite, and but it is something that we can meditate on, and it is something that we can validate through our own inner source of the truth, our innermost being, and the being of all and the being of beings, the logos. So to remain faithful to the truth 
means remaining faithful to yourself, your innermost being, your divine mother, and the being of beings, the logos. Seek their guidance. Seek their truth, the truth within, and you will have you will be much better off as you as you face the great confusion around you because you will be anchored you will you will have that anchor within you and that is that is what we suggest that that everyone now do their best to try to cultivate the eyes to see and the ears to hear okay you're welcome, Benjamin. Dylan says the oceans are growing. They can measure what's the newest and oldest parts of the ocean. When you trace back the newest parts, the continents all fit back together. It was all whole. Uh, they are going to continue to evolve. Yeah, none of that's true, by the way, Dylan. None of it. Um, the the ocean's growing part. Yeah, okay. There's there's some truth in that, but the continents never fit together. There was no there was no one single supercontinent as the uh, geologists uh, describe that drifted apart continental drift that's something that the material scientists and the geologists made up because hey look oh look south america fits neatly into africa so they must have been connected at some point because now they're growing about okay atlantis is at the bottom of the atlantic ocean south america and africa were connected by atlantis atlantis was the supercontinent that is now the atlantic ocean when that went down other continents came up and and it just so happens just coincidentally that the shape of south america and the shape of africa are the way that they are that they that it looks like they once fit together like that but they were not they were separated by an entire landmass, which we call the Atlantic Ocean, it's just that it collapsed into the under the under the sea. Because the reality is that this planet can alter its physical form, can alter its body, can alter the surface of itself very drastically and very rapidly in ways that the geologists can't begin to imagine because they've never witnessed it, even though they have witnessed earthquakes. And they have witnessed very rapid collapses of geological phenomenon, but but somehow they cannot put together microcosm and macrocosm. They can't make that connection, whereas every person in the ancient world could because they knew that the scale is irrelevant. The scale is irrelevant. So a man can die in a moment, right? A man can lose a limb, your chest can be crushed, you can have, a, you know, you can change the, the complexion of your face, you can change the complexion of your body. It, these changes happen in mere moments. Well, it's the same thing for a planet, it's just that the scale of a planet is so much larger and the time scale is so much longer that for what us is a moment is a few seconds, for a planet is a few hundred years, because a planet lives for billions of years, not a hundred years. So microcosm, macrocosm, 
it's just still the same phenomena. The scale at the planetary level makes it appear to be different because we're looking at it through our from our perspective. But this was a universal teaching, and this was so well known, and this was a part of every classical education. Anybody who was, came out of a classical education comprehended and understood the relationship between microcosm and macrocosm. Um, and so the and what's currently happening with tectonic shift and or, or, or the, the the growing oceans or whatever, that's all part of what happens between Kali Yugas. So how this earth is going to look after the Kali Yuga is it's it's anyone's guess it's anyone's guess but i can guarantee you that the materialist scientists are not going to be the ones to guess right because even if you can convince them that there is such a thing as a kali yuga they're going to apply all the wrong thinking because you can't think your way through this one because in a kali yuga the planet doesn't doesn't operate by the same laws right because when an organism dies it doesn't it doesn't follow the same rules and laws as it does when it's alive because it's now it's functioning under the laws of death and destruction and deterioration and collapse those are the energies those are the laws that govern its it's it's the unfoldment of what comes next okay uh Alephteria, uh, hopefully we answered your question, but to help you out, uh, hopefully you're still here. Glorian.org. You asked for websites, www.glorian.org. There's a new comment here. So there is one, um, or here, we'll put this one here. There is one uh, resource for you, and of course we should, Uh, you can also turn to uh, Atlas, our, uh, our blog, atlas.info. And we are also going to give you one more. Um, because there's a video on our website theatlasproject.com, which discusses the alm of life, the analogous ultimate methodology. Now, the analogous ultimate methodology is essentially revolutionary psychology, but it's explained in a way using secular language and using contemporary analogies and case studies that allows you to take a very down-to-earth and practical approach for self-observation, self-remembering, analysis, comprehension, meditation, and elimination of our egos, our defects and vices, those things which cause the heaviness in our heart, the heaviness of our heart-mind, the heaviness of our, of our, of our psyche, and the, and the dullness of our consciousness, the things that make us fall asleep. So... And at glorian.org, 
org, you can find uh, not just a copy of Revolutionary Psychology, but you can find the entire book online. Um, that's the title of the book. Um, so if you go to glorian.org and you there's a there's a section there called books and you go there and just scroll down until you find revolutionary psychology um, the entire text of the book is online or you can order it and support glorian um, by ordering the book again it's it's like 80 pages it's but probably one of the most important books that uh, master samael ever wrote But essentially, you will get the core information of revolutionary psychology um, in in the All of Life, in the Analogous Ultimate Methodology, in our in our roughly hour long video. We actually have a forty five minute version of that, but we but just watch the the, the hour long one on our website because it it fleshes out a little bit more. It also gives um, anyone and everyone a better idea of the Atlas Project as it relates to the Kali Yuga overall and all of the other little projects associated with it, for example, Peapod Life, U-Method, and if it becomes a thing and if it becomes, if it has a role to play, centrist democratic progress. Um, because if if we have more time than, than, than less, then the current upheavals in the world may lead to a temporary plateau and on which we will have an opportunity to really make some advances and get this humanities get this humanity back on track in terms of recognizing what's important and starting to work together again, but not against some made-up alien threat, but actually working together again in terms of preparation. And as individuals, as a society, as a humanity, and um, or it just may just be that centrist democratic progress is just a, uh, a notion, a concept, an idea that that is going to find its it's it's practical application on the other side of the Kali Yuga. Again, it's difficult for us to know exactly these things because everything is fluid. It's it's all in chaos. Everything is in confusion right now. And there's a lot of different again, we're we're we keep grasping at these uh modern scientific terminology, quantum flux. That's the word that we're looking for right everything's in everything's in a state of flux everything is is nothing set in stone precisely so but again amidst all that there's one thing that we do know absolutely and that is the the path to the other side is through here right our our only salvation our only true salvation is is through here so go within spend the time make the time take the time 
and relax and allow the rest to unfold the way it needs to unfold. You worry about you and worry about the real you, the true you, your true self, your innermost. Let your divine mother worry about your lower self. And let your innermost being guide you and give you that which you can then pass along to others. And then you too may earn your place in the ark. You too may demonstrate yourself as a good fruit with a very good seed inside with a very great potential to become a tremendous fruitful tree in the new humanity in the next humanity in the next global civilization and in the golden age but only you can ripen you take advantage of these energies and apply them to yourself so that you become that ripe fruit in the service of your innermost seed do that and then perhaps you too can be a messenger of that seed as we are and when it comes to seeds and messengers well now you know this was coming That link is in the chat. If you ever want to know what we mean by seed and messenger and all this 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 particular analogy, um, read Radhatoskar in the Seed. It's on our blog. There's the link. All right. Thank you, everyone. It was a lovely turnout this evening. We we're glad to see you all. And uh, we hope to see you on uh, on Friday. Again, keep an eye on our Facebook, and we will let you know um, just as soon as we can. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our the YouTube channel and click the bell icon for notifications. And then when we post the uh, the subject, the topic for Friday, you'll get an email saying what it is. Or, uh, or again, you just follow us on Facebook and we'll, we'll post it on Facebook and you'll know. If there's no other questions or comments, we'll say goodnight. And uh, thank you all for, uh, for joining us and being a part. And once again, we say, you know, in virtual peace.